Children's Church can be dismissed for Children's Church. You'll take your Bible with me today, please, and turn to the book of Philippians. This is a familiar passage to the church because I have preached on verses uh, 1 through 5 of chapter 2 on the subject of having the mind of Christ, but also Pastor Diedrich on his last Sunday preached on Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. So I'm taking both of those together and calling it gospel-centered church our gospel-centered family. Not just in our salvation, not just when we receive Jesus Christ and trust his finished work upon the cross. That's the gospel is Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We know about that. But he wants us to be living the gospel. Someone has said, and maybe you've heard it before, that your walk talks and your talk talks. But your walk speaks louder than your talk talks. What, what people see in us, what people see as the gospel is lived out uh, in our lives. And matter of fact, some have said that people would uh, want to hear that they're saved by the word of God. They're saved by hearing the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But people see it exemplified in the life of believers. And in this church, as we face Uh, uncertain days as we go through a transition period now trying to find a new pastor all of these days times of of doubts and fears and uh, impatience and all that goes with it people are going to watch how we go through this transition period people are observing to see how we go through this if that say that's real Christianity right there at Crossroads Baptist Church it's going to be lived out by the way we respond to adversaries and trials and difficult times. In this passage of scripture, I see some exhortations in verses 27 to 30. And then I see some examples of how we're to live out that gospel-centered life in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 2. Notice with me it says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh. The gospel of Christ. The word conversation means our, not our speech, but our manner of life or how we live. Only let your manner of living be as it becometh or is fitting to the gospel. So the gospel ought to suit the way we live. And that's only by the grace of God, by the way. I mean, we have no capacity in this, in this flesh to live for God. We have no capacity in this flesh on our own to live out the gospel in this world. Matter of fact, we trust in our own flesh, it will fail us every time. It fails us every time. And so he says, I want your manner of life to be fitting to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only let your conversation, as you live out, and he's using a term here, actual, a a political term. He's talking about now that Philippi is a, a city that's in, uh, a, it's actually a Roman colony. So you need to be living faithful to your city. And now we talk about living in our own country as Americans. There was a, 
Uh, Warren Wiersbe talked about in uh, his commentary on this passage, talked about going to England one time. He and his wife were going to visit in London a zoo. And they went on a bus. As they were going on a bus, they heard a bunch of unruly people up at the front. And they heard some people from England who were sitting near them saying, those unruly people are Americans. And he said, you and I need to represent. They were poor representations of American citizens. You and I ought to be good representations of the heavenly kingdom that you and I belong to. Only let your conversation or manner of life be as it becometh or is fitting to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. For our conversation, our, our citizenship is actually in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The old song we love to sing. Our citizenship doesn't belong here. We're citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And he says, I want you to live in such a way that it reflects where your citizenship really is. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19, just a couple of pages back in the Bible from our text, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19, he says, Now, therefore, you're no more strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And we sang as our fellowship song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. He's placed us in his family. And it's by his design. He's put us together in his family. Now we're citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And we're to live for that heavenly kingdom. He says, now only let your conversation or your manner of life be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. He says, whether I come and see you, verse 27 of chapter 1, or else be absent, whether I'm still in prison or I get to make a visit to you or not, whether I come and see you or not, that I hear of your affairs, how you're doing spiritually. I want to know how you're doing spiritually. And he said, here's the way I want to you to be doing it. He mentions these, these different ways that he wants them to, to be uh, acting as they are, their manner of life reflects the gospel. First of all, he said that you stand fast in one spirit. I love that. You and I ought to be standing fast, being put in this place, standing fast in one spirit. We're to be united. Matter of fact, as we have this meeting next Sunday night, uh, our, our prayer, and I, I've, I sense this in the church already, there's a real spirit of unity here, and I praise the Lord for that. But did you know the devil would love to interfere with that? He loves to divide and conquer. He's a deceiver. John chapter 8, verse 44 says he's a murderer. He's a liar from the beginning. And he, is a, he will try to do everything he can to, keep, to, to divide that and be, we'll have disunity instead of unity. A unity that the Lord has already established. We're to keep the unity in the spirit and the bond of peace, Ephesians tells us. And here he says, whether I come or whether I'm going to be absent, I hear of your affairs that ye first of all, stand fast in one spirit. May God help us to be able to, people to be able to say of this church, man, I can tell you, in that church, 
they're standing fast in one spirit. They are, they're united for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he says, not only do you stand fast in one spirit, but he said, do it with one mind. Actually, it means the, the word is one soul. Oneness of soul together as we stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ and as our life reflects the gospel. Do it with one mind. And then he says, I want you to be striving together for the faith of the gospel. When he mentions that word striving, that's actually an athletic term. That we're all on the same team and we're working together. I, uh, of course, you know I'm a, a Clemson fan. Some of the folks said they went to the Clemson game yesterday. I, I, uh, I didn't go to the, the ball game. I don't go to many games now. By the fact, it, it cost about too much money to go to a ball game. And to get in there with 80,000 other people and try to find a parking place and all of that kind of thing. But uh, I've been following uh, a team this year, and maybe you have as well. It's the Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, I've been to Boulder. I preached with Pastor Will Sin out there at Tri-City Baptist Church several times. I've been to Boulder, Brother Holmesher, with Neighborhood Bible Time. Was in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, uh, we are boosters, Bible time boosters. I mean, all of those different Bible time uh, times we had together, and and the churches that I, when I pastored, we'd have neighborhood Bible time. Brother Holmesher, just a delightful fellow to be around from Boulder, Colorado. But the University of Colorado is a very liberal place. Most most secular college campuses are very liberal, and. Um, University of Colorado at Boulder is a very liberal place. And to have Deion Sanders come now and coach the team that last year only won one football game. Only won one football game. He comes in there. I don't know about his Christianity. He claims to know Christ his Savior. He uses the right terms. I don't know that much about it. But he's gotten in a lot of trouble about praying uh, in the locker room and praying with his players and he's gotten in a lot of trouble as people have said, look, we don't want that. He said, well, you don't, may not want it, but you're going to get it anyhow. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they might not like his, his Jesus yet, but they like him because he's won three football games in a row already. And they beat Colorado State yesterday in double overtime. And uh, all of a sudden, people like that coach that they've got over there now. I like that because the term striving together is actually an athletic term. We're on the same team. And here at Crossroads Baptist Church, we're all on the same team. We're striving together. And I like the word together. I I like the number of times that, that uh, the Apostle Paul, even in the book of Philippians, uh, likes that word together. I like it too. I, whatever we're doing, we're doing it together with one mind, standing fast in one spirit for the faith of the gospel. The faith is talking about the general truth of the gospel, these fundamentals that we, are, we hold to this book that we preach the general truth, matter of fact, Jude said in Jude 3 that we're to earnestly contend 
for the faith. He's talking about that body of truth that, we, that the Bible represents. That's what, we, that's what we're holding to. We're contending for, but we're, we're striving together for the faith of the gospel. And he says, in nothing terrified. We're not going to have inward fear because of outward pressure. He says, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Your adversaries, we know that our adversary is the devil. He walketh about seeking whom he may devour, the scriptures say. He he cannot get our salvation, but he would love to gobble up our testimony, our effectiveness for Jesus Christ. He would love to get our, our testimony off track where we would not be living a life that's becoming or fitting to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says this, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition by the fact they think they're winning when they oppose the gospel. But their end or their doom is eternal hell. But he said in this same passage, but to you of salvation and that of God. Actually, it's going to be your deliverance. That faith is going to deliver you. You keep living for the gospel. You keep living a life that's pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ and fitting for the gospel. For unto you it is given, he says in verse 29, in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. This term translated for unto you it is given is a word that actually comes with the word grace in it. It's actually a gift. Did you know that it was by his grace that we believed on Christ? And it's by grace that we suffer for Christ as well. He said both both ones, not only to believe on him, that's a gift. We know that from Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And then he says, but also to suffer for his sake. Here in the church at at, uh, Philippi, there was some conflict going on between two ladies, Yodis and Syndike, we found in chapter 4 and verse 2. There was division that was developing in the church. And he said, look, I want you to present a united front. And here at Crossroads, that's exactly what we need to do. In this search for a pastor and what God is doing in our church to help to grow us spiritually and numerically during a transition period, we need to present a united front. Stand fast in one spirit. Have a life that's becoming or fitting of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here you and I today as we look at this text, gospel-centered living. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1, he says this. Therefore, my beloved, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Stand fast, one spirit, one mind, striving together for the gospel. So he talks about our, our conduct. He talks about our consistency in living. 
He talks about our cooperation, how we're to do it together. We're, we're working together for the faith of the gospel. And then he concludes that first section with our courage or our confidence. If you think that um, when you trusted Christ as Savior, you're on an easy street and it's all going to be a bunch of roses from now on, you got a false concept of the Bible. Old brother Roloff, I love to hear him sing years ago, life's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. You can run if you want to and run if you will, but I came here to stay. I came here to stay. Life's a battlefield. And today you and I are to stand with one spirit. And you and I as Christians, that kind of life, that kind of exhortation that Paul is giving us as we have a life pleasing and fitting to the gospel of Jesus. And then he tells us in chapter 2 some of the evidences uh, are the examples of what it's like to have a gospel-centered church and a gospel-centered family. Matter of fact, it will change. It will change everything about our life. Notice what it says: If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, and four times he uses "if." That's actually "since," and it's presented in a way that when he says that. It, it has a, a positive result. It's, it's assuming that this is true because there is consolation or the word could be translated uh, encouragement. There is uh, encouragement in Christ. There's comfort of love. That comes through Christ too, by the way. And fellowship of the spirit. And if any bowels and mercies or uh, uh, affections and compassion could be translated that way. That, that's what he's talking about here. And he's, it's not if, doubting that it's, it's true. It's, it is true. Each one of these are true. And we have these in the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. He says, verse two of chapter two, fulfill my joy. I want you to make my joy complete. And you're going to make my joy complete. Matter of fact, joy is the theme of the book. We've already preached about that on our first message on the book of Philippians. The theme is joy. And you can go through and underline every time in those four chapters, he uses the word joy or rejoicing. And we see it over and over and over again. He said, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, a united spirit that we present as our life reflects the gospel. It fulfilled the joy of the apostle Paul when he saw that in the church at Philippi. We see there in chapter four and verse two, I beseech Euodius and uh, beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Evidently, these two ladies were having a squabble. I don't know what it was about. Usually when the devil fell in Isaiah 14, I tell people he either landed in the choir, on the piano bench, or in the nursery. One of those, one of those three places. <laughs> but they had some kind of squabble going on. And he said this, I want to see that ye be of the same mind. 
the same mind in the Lord. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be, first of all, like-minded. Think the same thing. I told you on on the message I preached on uh, this passage on having the mind of Christ. We don't all agree on everything, but we ought to agree here. This is where we need to agree. Be of the same mind. I married Linda a little over 10 years ago, and uh, she's from western New York. You can tell from the way I talk, I am not from western New York. She does not eat boiled peanuts. I mean... We're praying for her. We're praying for her. She doesn't drink sweet tea either. Bless her heart. We don't have to agree on everything. But we agree here. We agree here. Be of the same mind or be like-minded. He says, having the same love. Having the same love. We love him because he first loved us. We've already preached on love one another on the one another series uh, tonight. I hope you'll plan to come. If, If you don't like singing or you don't like to sing or you don't like to hear singing, you won't like tonight. Because we're going to talk about singing to one another. And psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We've already talked about love. He said, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you have love one to another. That's how other people know that we are Christ's followers by the love. And he said, this, and he said when you're making my joy complete or fulfilling my joy that you're having the same love. Then he says, being of one accord. I love that. I love that phrase, and he uses it uh, quite often in the New Testament. Being of one accord. I told you that an ophthalmologist that was a deacon in my church in Irmo, Dr. Jamie Oakman, he went to Augusta, Georgia. Uh, let's see, Daniel, you all know the, you know the Oakmans down there? You did? Yeah, they were down there in Augusta. And uh, he bought a, a eye practice down there. He lives in Greenville now in Greenville, South Carolina. He's taking care of his uh, ailing parents. But uh, Jamie, an uh, ophthalmologist, he would teach our juniors. And, and he would often say, he, he loved any Bible verse that said being of one accord. And he would tell those juniors that you ought to be in one accord. And so on their last Sunday there at the church in Irmo, before they moved to Augusta, I went to a a Honda dealership and I got some cardboard cutouts of a Honda Accord. And I got two of them and I, I put one on each side and connected them. And then I put all of those junior boys and girls that he taught and we marched them down the aisle. And I said, Jamie, here they come all in one accord. He said, I want you to be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, 
And then he says, of one mind. Matter of fact, verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. An attitude of humility that we'll see next week as we look at this passage. We'll look at verses 5 through 11 next week where the Lord emptying himself. Kenosis is what the, it's called the kenosis passage. We'll look at that next week. But he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 2, he says, I want you to be of one mind. And we're of one mind as we all fill our minds with the word of God. This is where we find real wisdom. Real wisdom is being able to take the Bible and apply it to life's circumstances. How are we going to be able to find the pastor that God wants for us? Here at Crossroads, it's when we apply the scriptures, we take the scriptures and apply it to the search process. We're not going to go because somebody's a popular person or because somebody says, well, I just heard one reference and they said he's a good guy. We need to match him up against this book. What the Bible has to say in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1 and then find several men that speak well of a ministry that would be able to direct a church and lead a church. We're not looking just for a preacher. We need a preacher, but we need a pastor. A pastor and a preacher. And so we're going to be, what? Like-minded. Having the same love. Being of one accord and of one mind. And he said, what's going to destroy it? Notice chapter 2 and verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. It's not all about us. It's not about me. Not about any individual. It's about him. I tell you, when those men sang near is still near, give me but Jesus, my Lord crucified. It's about him. It's not about us. Notice James chapter 3 with me. James chapter 3. Notice what he says. James says in chapter 3 in verse 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy. And of good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, there's a contrast. Here's the humility. In lowliness of mind, just like the Lord Jesus Christ. But in lowness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. 
Look not every man on his own things or his own interest, but every man also on the things of the interest of others. Ten years ago, as I was getting married to Linda, Linda had been married 39 years to Mike. He passed away of colon cancer uh, two years before we were married. My wife passed away this coming Wednesday, the 20th, 13 years ago, September 20th. And so she, had, my wife had passed away three years before. And we were getting married in Dr. Marsh Fant and Pastor Gary Bill and Dale Cunningham, Pastor Dale Cunningham, all three of those guys were going to participate in our, our wedding. And so Pastor Fant said, what would you like for us to preach on what, in, that, in the, the wedding service? I said, Philippians chapter 2. Because it's not only important for us as a church, it's important for my family to live this way too. Notice with me just applying that to the family. He says, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. Having the same love. Being of one accord, we're on the same page. And of one mind. And then in that relationship, let nothing be done through strife, our vain glory or about pride, but in lowness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. That mate that God has given me, let me esteem her better than myself. Above my own interest, look not every man on his own things or interest but every man also on the things of the interest of others. The Bible tells me I'm to live with my mate in an understanding way. The longer I get to know her, married 36 and a half years to Barbara, she was passed away for three years. Linda and I got married, been married now for a little over 10 years now. And I'm understanding that she likes Snicker candy bars. You know what I like about that? She likes it and only takes one bite and gives the rest of it to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I find out what kind of flowers she likes. I find out things that are things that interest her, not living for my own interest. I am putting my interest behind her interest and by the way in the church that's the way we're going to function if we're going to be a gospel centered church if we're going to have a a church that reflects the gospel of Jesus Christ in our living the way we live the way we talk is one thing but the way we walk needs to match that talk match the word So I say it's gospel-centered church and gospel-centered family. Today as we look at this text and realize that that unity is only possible by the grace of God, 
To be able to live this gospel-centered life is only by the grace of God. You have, may have heard this, uh, the author of it is not known, but here's what I wrote this week that I, I've heard many times before. You're writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds that you do and the words that you say. Men read what you write, and they do, by the way. Men read what you write, whether faithful or true. Just what is the gospel according to you? Is our life, our manner of life, becoming or fitting to the gospel that we believe? A church member came to his pastor. He said, uh, Pastor, we've got some neighbors that live next door to us, and they're, they're believing a false gospel. He said, could you give me some literature that I might be able to give them? And so the pastor took his Bible and he turned to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'd like for you to turn there this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He turned to verse 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And this verse says... Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. You can tell them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him in John 14, 6. But they're going to watch the way you and I live the gospel to our neighbors. They may believe a false one. You show them by your life that you believe the gospel of the Bible. As I reflect on 13 years ago, this Wednesday, the passing of my wife and all of that, I, uh, I still get overwhelmed from time to time. I, uh, I know that those of you that have gone through this in the church with your former pastor know that grief is real. And not only is it real in the life of the pastor, the church grieves as well. And then as God directed for them to go to Missouri, the church is still grieving here. What does this church need? We need to show the people that are watching us outside of this building that we want to live a life that becometh or is fitting to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. That we're standing fast in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we do, we can say, Paul, as you gave us the word from the Lord, Help us to have a gospel-centered church and help our life and our family to be gospel-centered as well. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we are...
As Josh said in singing Living for Jesus, the first song we sang today, Lord, living for Jesus, a life that is true, striving to please him in all that I do. Lord, I pray that by the grace of God, you'd help us to have gospel-centered lives, gospel-centered families, and if we do, we'll be a gospel-centered church. And I pray that, Lord, you would help us in the days ahead as we grow more and more to be like Jesus Christ. That, Lord, as other people are watching, that our walk will match our talk. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name.